Hello, dear listeners, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. Today, we will be talking about the film A Midsummer Night's Dream from 1999, starring Kevin Klein, Michelle Pfeiffer, Stanley Tucci, and Christian Bale. And with me is my good friend, Christina. I'm back. Hello. <laughs> you're back. It's been a little while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's good to be back. Yeah, so this movie is based off of Shakespeare's famous comedy, and this adaptation follows ridiculous romantic situations that occur to all the characters while intersecting between Athens and the magical fairy world. Hermia, played by Anna Frell, is in love with Lysander, played by Dominic West, but is forced to marry Demetrius, played by Christian Bale, or be sentenced to death. Hermia and Lysander decide to run away together into the magical forest. Meanwhile, Hermia's best friend Helena, played by Callista Flockhart, is in love with Demetrius, and she and Demetrius set out to find them in the woods. In the fairy realm, more romantic affairs occur, with mischievous Puck, played by Stanley Tucci, at the center. Oof, bear with me with all those names. <laughs> Listeners, if you, I can barely follow it myself. <laughs> I was going to say, it's only easy to follow all the characters if you're watching like a movie or a play. Oh, like if you're just reading it, I could never keep them straight. <laughs> it was, yeah. That, that was a test, that, that paragraph I just read. Um, so what do we think of <laughs> M- Michael Hoffman's A Midsummer Night's Dream? Um, I liked it overall for sure I think and I know we're going to talk about this like a billion times uh, on this podcast but you and I got to see A Midsummer Night's Dream live when Bright on the Beach did a production of it this summer um, which I think they're still doing actually so like go see it it's really good Um, but that version was just so much better (laughs) that it was hard to not compare the movie to the live stage show Um, and I mean also I think that like I don't know if you experienced this but I find that You know, if I've read a play or I've like listened to a musical soundtrack like a bunch of times, I can't picture any of the characters in my head until I've seen a version of it like in front of my eyes in some capacity. And then that version is like the only way that I picture the characters forever. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I will always like. (laughs) For better or for worse, whenever I think of Into the Woods, I will always think of the way that the characters looked in the Into the Woods movie. When I think of A Midsummer Night's Dream, I will always think of the way they looked in the play that we saw because that was the first time that I saw the play and didn't just read it. Whenever I think of Romeo and Juliet, I always think of Leonardo DiCaprio because that was the first time I ever saw it. (laughs) I think of Jazak Efron (laughs) 2.0. Whatever that guy's name is. Um, no, I totally agree. Like with the sound of music, I only ever see Julie Andrews. Yeah. And um, I can't think of a very well known movie right now that's been <laughs> done many times. But I guess when I think of like Cinderella, I probably go to like Lily James. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, we actually decided to do this movie because we enjoyed the play so much. And I had never read this version in high school um so I didn't know anything about it until going into it with you um but yeah I I enjoyed it so much for those of you that don't know Bart on the Beach um I think people should know we live in Vancouver we're from Vancouver (laughs) Canada but um it's basically like this outdoor Shakespeare festival that occurs from June to the end of September um right in Kitts Beach in Vanier Park and um, it's just a fun thing to do. I hadn't done it since I was really, like, really young. So when they brought it back again after two years, I thought, hey, we should go. And it's also fun to go when they're not doing, like, a tragedy. I think they tend to do a comedy and a tragedy of Shakespeare's. I prefer <laughs> Shakespeare's comedies Same. because, Same. <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to be dark (laughs) and also they showed Romeo and Juliet no offense to the people that were in Romeo and Juliet they probably did a fabulous job but I did not want to see that I've seen so many versions of that so many (laughs) times and then you just feel bad after so at least coming out of this movie and the play you feel you know happy and you feel like oh you watch something entertaining and but the play definitely stuck with me more than the the movie version yeah no definitely (laughs) And I don't, I don't know why, like, maybe, like you said, it's because we watched it first. Because the actors did an excellent job. Like, I thought Michelle Pfeiffer as 
the fairy to Tanya, um, the way she oh, delivered yeah. her lines was great. And she was so I enjoyed good. it. I just, the core, like the main four, uh, Hermia, Lysander, Demetrius, and Helena, they just, they just made it for me on the stage. I just yeah. couldn't see anyone else. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, also, like, I'm sorry, but if Hermia and Helena did not have different hair colors, I would not have been able to tell them apart. And also, the woman they who plays Hermia same. looks exactly like Tapolita. And I was like, why did they all have to look the same? It was so confusing. The whole point of watching a movie version of a play is so that you can tell the characters apart. When they all look the same, it does not help. Demetrius exactly. and Lysander did not look the same, but, you know, they were pretty close. I didn't appreciate yeah. it. Okay, I know Christian Bale because everyone knows Christian Bale, but if I didn't know who Christian Bale was, Dominic West and him look very similar. Why did they both have to be... Well, why did they all have to be white? But also, like, yeah, first why did they first. both have to be, like, brunettes? <laughs> Could they not have one guy being blonde or something looking a little yeah. different? <laughs> like, it just, it was, the and the women, like, I, I've never heard of Anna Frell or Kalista Flockhart before. Um, and sometimes I would be like, oh, which one's which? <laughs> Especially when they yeah. got full of mud and fell in the mud pond. And I was like, well, now I don't know who <laughs> who anyone is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I did find the casting casting to be a bit strange and they weren't all like English as well. Um Dominic West was, but did Christian Bale did he have and did he put on an accent? I don't even remember. <laughs> no. I don't but remember. But <laughs> it was an interesting it was interesting casting choices. I thought it would be um much more like oh, the 90s typical kind of like cast but I definitely feel like they could have put other people in those roles. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Can't think of anyone right now, but there's definitely some people they I think they could have put in um, for the women because I don't know who these people are and I still don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think about like the whole bike situation going on there? That was interesting. I mean, like, I really loved when they set the movie. I thought that was great. Um, I, yeah, I really, really liked when they set the movie. Um, I thought that was very fun. Uh, and I mean, I I love a, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? I love a period piece. And the fashion of that time was just so good. Like, yeah. turn of the 19th century, great fashion. I was watching the movie with Hannah, um, who you've now met in person. Um, but we were watching yeah. the movie together and Hannah was saying that like there's a reason why so many of these these movies are set, um, you know, at the why so many movie adaptations of like anything ever are set at the turn of the 19th century. And it's because the fashion is great. And it was. So I liked that. But I found it really funny how the movie opens with like the little prologue of like oh the new invention the bicycle was really big mm. and it was such a focus and it was like for what why like <laughs> why was it such a why did we care so much about the bikes like it was very weird to me I didn't understand it <laughs> and the fact that they wrote it at the beginning like the first thing when you turn on like when you press play it's like the new invention of the bikes it's like but but why does this need to be revealed like like I don't <laughs> I totally yeah. agree and it was it was comedic and funny that they were all chasing each other the main four in bikes and then Puck would take the bike and 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 some other characters would would steal them but I was like but why can't they just run <laughs> yeah it didn't make a ton of sense to me there were other things that occurred um a lot of it <laughs> with Kevin Klein as well adding him having a wife because in the in Shakespeare's yes. play he doesn't have a wife. Um, Bottom is not married, and it's like, and then at the end they never show the wife again, and it's like, well, why? Why did you add the wife? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I found the fact that they gave Nick Bottom a wife really interesting, and I thought that that added like a nice extra layer to, you know, like the beginning of the story, how she just saw him as some like, you know, daydreaming loser when really he was like this you know, passionate actor. Um, yeah. But I I was just, yeah, I was sad that there wasn't any payoff with that at the end because I really thought, like, spoilers for the end of the movie. Um, 
when Nick Bottom wakes up after having been undonkeyed, um, yeah. <laughs> he's got like this golden fairy ring in his hands. And I was like, oh, I get it. He's going to give the ring to the wife as a sign of like, you know, rekindling their marriage. But no, no, nope. we don't see her again. Nope. She doesn't even he's get just, to come to the play. He's just looking at the fireflies or the little like magic lights in the sky. <laughs> yeah, that sucked. Yeah. That was silly. I didn't like it. I also like the, um, I guess, is she like a duchess or the queen? I liked her better in the play um, because the duchess also looked like Helena and Hermia. (laughs) Yes, they all looked the same. (laughs) And I mean, that made it even more confusing. (laughs) Yeah, no, she looked so much like them. It was so annoying. I could not tell any of them apart except for... Kevin Klein and Sam Rockwell. <laughs> and Sam Stanley Rockwell. Tucci, obviously. Stanley Baby Tucci Sam Rockwell. Well. Oh my god, that was iconic. And that play within a play, um, it's always just so long. <laughs> even it's in so, the even yeah. in the play we saw. It's like had so now the runtime. <laughs> what did you think, I guess, first like comparing um the main, like normal mortal world to the fairyland? What did you think of the the fairy realm, like the ma- magical aspect compared to Athens. Um, I liked it. I mean, you know, I thought that, uh, like, I liked the character designs. I thought they were fun. I think that it was hard for me. Like, I love Stanley Tucci. Don't get me wrong. Big Stanley Tucci fan. Yeah. I think it was hard for me to, like, wrap my brain around him as Puck just because, like, I always pictured Puck as being much younger than the other main characters just because they're always like, oh, the sprightly little good fellow Robin because he has like eight billion names for some reason. Thanks, Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're always like, oh, the sprightly little good fellow, like the little jester who does Oberon's bidding. And so, yeah, like the version we saw, like, you know, it was a, a young adult playing Puck. Um, and I mean, I've, I've read, this is like, weird but I read a graphic novel of a Midsummer Night's Dream once which was very good um and it was like a child like it was like a child was Puck pretty much so it was like weird for me to visualize Stanley Tucci as Puck just because I was like but you're like a grown adult (laughs) you can't be Puck you're like some guy (laughs) I've always also well from the not been long since I've known this play but like (laughs) I've I was from the two months I've known it or whatever month and a half um I visualize Puck as this kind of innocent troublemaker mischievous kind of sly and he's not innocent because you know it is implied that he sleeps with other fairy women or whatever (laughs) he gets around um I I see him as this kind of like dorky looking um mischievous fellow and as much as I also love Stanley Tucci, when I think of Stanley Tucci, I don't think of mischievous and funny. No, <laughs> like, no, I think of like a gentle guy like, who loves to cook. Interesting casting. <laughs> I yeah, I yes, and like you know, has great fashion sense. Um, always great with Meryl Streep, <laughs> but in a magical fantasy world, I I just I guess. I feel like Puck, to me, would kind of be, like, the guy that's, like, an Ellen Enchanted who's, like, her, like, elf friend. Yes. You know? Oh, like, I know exactly like what that. you're talking about. <laughs> yes. You're so right. Yeah. The one who wants to be a yeah. lawyer. <laughs> yes. He would be a great Puck. Just, like, more silly. Yeah. Someone like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I just it, it definitely for me it was the it was the casting choices. Um Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they could have found like anybody. Um even like I guess Leo didn't want to do another like Shakespeare play, but I could have totally seen like a young Leo um even That's like true. I don't know, Johnny Depp, someone else, like some like not as not as Puck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but as like Lysander or Demetrius or or just I don't know, someone. <laughs> yeah. Someone a little more recognizable as like a young mischief maker. <laughs> yeah. And even like for the woman, like I definitely could have seen one of 
maybe not Helena, but Hermes as Winona Ryder. Oh my god, or iconic. Someone else. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Someone else iconic from the 90s. Maybe that's why I've never heard of this movie. Yeah. But to be fair, I, I picked it because I thought, oh, it's like a well-known cast and I had never seen a movie version. I think you said you have. No, I've never um, seen a movie version. You, I didn't even know there were. Oh, I mean, it. I assumed that there were movies of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, no, wait. But I, ooh, mm, sorry. You just set me off. I did. <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. I think I blocked it out of my memory. Um, I've seen one movie version of A Midsummer Night's Dream, and it is a god-awful version from 2016, where the only redeeming quality of that movie is what they do with Puck and Oberon and Titania. Those three, absolutely phenomenal, incredible. The rest of the movie, garbage. Garbage, garbage movie. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's why, because I, you know, you hear about Romeo and Juliet so much. There's so many movies. And you hear about Hamlet and Macbeth movies. There's so many of them, but I'd never, I've never heard of any Midsummer Night Dream movie versions. Yeah. Um, and then I found that, that there was like one from 1935, and I was like, well, I don't know if that's something I want to watch. Yeah. And I think Puck is Mickey Rooney. Oh my god, incredible! Um, I, was, I looked. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I looked at the cat. <laughs> I think he would have been a better Puck. Yeah, I get it. Um, but then there's just yeah the one from 1935 this one that we're we're talking about right now and then there's the 2017 one Ooh. which feels like that's not that many yeah well that's just like i mean i know that there's like a billion movie versions of romeo and juliet so it's like hard to compare them but yeah i just like uh-huh. in my head a midsummer night's dream is such an iconic play of shakespeare's and one that is so popular that i'm surprised that there aren't more movie versions of it um and maybe it's because it just yeah. doesn't work as well for a movie as on on the stage movie. or like people haven't figured out how to make it work as a movie yet um because yeah. 2017 sure didn't know how to do it as a movie and this movie was like pretty good overall but i still you know i don't think it like quite it didn't quite do it for me you know there's also yeah i, I agree there's also one from 1968 with judy dench helen mirren and diana riggs so those are like the classic english helen mirren plays hermia Ooh. And Diana Rigg as Helena. And Judy Dench as Titania. Ooh, okay, <laughs> iconic. Um, so I guess there's there's four versions. But yeah, I agree. I think it's a difficult... Well, it's difficult any time to, to make an adaptation of a Shakespeare play. Yeah. And I think that's why they play it safe and always do Romeo and Juliet. Because it's... I'm not trying to say it's easier, but it's like a very well-known story. And you just find the most young popular actors and just put them in that the roles right and everyone can feel like the heart broke down and and it's heartbreaking to watch but it's hard when it's a comedy because you got to find actors that have good comedic timing and you know actually understand what they're saying and and be able to say it so it's not boring because when you read it on paper it's not the same so when you're actually like saying it out loud they have to have like the you know the right connotation and and saying it properly and I think it's really hard to find people like that especially now when so many stars aren't going to theater school as much anymore and they're going straight into like acting yeah to actually find people to to be in these kinds of roles um it's getting more difficult yeah no I agree and I mean one of the things that Hannah and I talked about, this is the the main thing I'm going to quote from her um, since she's not here talking on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But speaking of the fairy world, <laughs> like, you know, I, I liked the overall, I liked like the costuming well enough and the settings. And I thought that, you know, what they did with the fairies, like discovering bikes and record players was like fun. Like that was all cute. I liked it. But Hannah was saying that her biggest gripe with the movie, and I totally agree, is that Oberon and Titania did not feel like they had any kind of stakes or power like no spoilers because bread on the beach is still running a midsummer night's dream and i think that everybody should go watch it but oberon's entrance (laughs) chills every time he exudes power and they do these things throughout the show which again i'm not going to spoil that remind you like hey this is the fairy king like this guy has power and he you know He's not just goofing around like Puck. Like, this guy's got real intense magic, and he could literally do whatever he wanted at any moment. Um, Yeah. And, you know, Hannah was saying that, like, with Oberon and Titania, like, 
it's not supposed to be just some, you know, little marital spat that any mortals could have. It's supposed to be this like huge conflict with big consequences of Oberon, Oberon being like, no, I am going to mess with Titania. Like I'm going to, you know, really screw with her to try to get this changeling child for some reason. Somebody tell me why he wants the child. I've seen so many versions of this and read it and I still don't know. But anyway, um, it's like, but you know, there's supposed to be these like huge powerful figures having this like confrontation that is directly affecting the mortal world. And in the movie, Oberon's just like, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to trick her. It's going to be pretty funny. And it's like, you are just some guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And also, and also like Rupert Everett's Oberon in this movie, I found him to be quite like moping around, yeah. playing, putting his head on his his arms, like, you know, just, like, chilling out in the grass. Oberon should not be chilling. Wine. <laughs> and he's not, like, the king of the forest, yeah. like, in the bard version. <laughs> and I'm assuming how he's portrayed in, in Shakespeare's play. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this guy doesn't do anything. He's just, yeah. like, hanging out like it's the 1960s. <laughs> like, Yeah, it, I don't um, like it. And I mean, and, Michelle and, Pfeiffer's great, but even she was like, I don't know, I feel like there wasn't quite enough, like, power there. I also found that they didn't have great chemistry together. Um, yeah. Rupert Everett and M- Michelle Pfeiffer. What did you think about the chemistry between Michelle Pfeiffer and Kevin Kwan? <laughs> I mean, okay, to be honest, I liked Kevin Kleiner's bottom. I didn't totally see, like, a ton of chemistry there. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're not supposed to because it's like, ooh, this, what an odd couple, a donkey and a fairy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer was certainly better than than the guy who played Oberon. And so I think I enjoyed, like, the scenes of her and Nick Bottom a lot more just because of that. Um, and I thought the guy mm-hmm. who played Nick Bottom was good. Like, I was saying to Hannah yesterday... Like, the woman who plays Nick Bottom for Bard is so good. Like, she's so funny, and she's so talented. Um, And Kevin Kline, like, I'm glad that it's a more understated performance because I think that if he were, like, running around in front of the cameras, like, yelling and, like, doing the absolute most for two hours, it would just be annoying. And so I'm glad that he was, like, playing to the screen and not the stage. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I just... And also... We we have to talk about it. I didn't need to see so many almost nude bodies. This, you know, I'm watching a Midsummer Night's Thank Dream. Thank you. I didn't need to see Demetrius and Lysander ass out. I didn't need to see Nick Bottom mid like having sex with Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, I didn't ask for it. It was not something that I felt was needed in this adaptation. <laughs> And not to be shallow or anything, but nobody in this movie is attractive to me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like, I just, I don't need to see these pale white guys naked. No, like, I, oh, I just. I did not need to see them bare-assed in the woods. <laughs> but yeah, the nudity, like, there's some times in movies where I think, like, this nudity is necessary. Um and it works and I think like yeah we needed that sex scene or you know it was important to show that but in this movie I didn't really see it very necessary and like sometimes you know it's really funny when they put it in in movies and like comedies and stuff like forgetting Sarah Marshall and Jason Segel is like naked but but I didn't find that it fit with this this movie at all because there was there was obviously a lot of lust going on uh, especially for Helena um, which we can talk about later too, but I didn't feel like there was so much like chemistry where you're like, oh, I want to see them rip each other's clothes off. Like I, I didn't, I didn't find that occurring yeah. to me. Like I've thought, like, oh, these two actors have such good chemistry. Like I can't wait for that scene when they finally like make out. But I didn't get that. I didn't get the vibe from this movie. Yeah. Well, and like you know, again, the only redeeming quality of 2017's A Midsummer Night's Dream is. I, I'm trying to remember where it is in the movie, um, but there's this like great montage of Oberon and Titania's relationship. Um, I think it happens like about halfway through the movie. I don't remember exactly. It's like at some point during the whole like Nick Bottom as a ass shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie, like the 2017 movie, invents this montage where you see flashbacks of like Oberon and Titania's relationship. Yeah, and. 
why they're so in love and you know why they care so much about each other and it's so good and it's the only thing that you know well okay not the only thing it's one of the only things that i feel like is missing from the original source material um is this establishment of like why you're supposed to care about oberon and titania getting back together and they do it so well in the 2017 movie and it's so beautiful and the chemistry is so good and also Jogia plays puck as in the guy who played beck and victorious it's iconic <laughs> um but yeah like i just there was nothing about the the 1999 movie that made me care when oberon and titania got back together it was like you're Michelle Pfeiffer. You could have literally anyone. Like, why are you getting back with this guy? Exactly. You know? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I just don't yeah. get it. I also didn't care as much for um, Hermia and Helena's characters. Like, in the, the Bard play, when um, Lysander tell when, when Puck um, gives the potion to Lysander and Lysander falls for Helena instead of... Um, staying in love with Hermia and and he tells Hermia you know like I hate you or he says something like you're just a toad or it's just so degrading and, and so awful and the look in the actress's eyes I should know yeah. their names from the the play but I don't I don't have the program in front of me but her like the hurt and the way she feels is just <laughs> you can just oh it just it hurts you when you're watching it and how she's just like so confused why is he you know not with me anymore how could he just have such a, a quick switch um for someone else and i didn't get that in in um in this movie i just was like her pain wasn't enough for me i was like come on like you're just fighting like they wanted to do like the typical 90s like caddy girl fight with like playing in the mud and i was like I, that oh, was why mm. is this movie so <laughs> i and again like okay I'm glad that they didn't make the, like, the girls fighting in the mud thing go on for too long. Because it was quite an extended scene when we saw it live, which makes sense because it was a play. Um, And I'm glad that the movie, like, didn't do too much of them, like, you know, fighting each other in the mud and the boys trying to pull them out. Like, if that had gone on for too long, I would have liked it even less. I appreciate that they, like, kept it short. But also, like... It's just gross, man. Like, did anybody find that funny? Was anybody, like, rolling on the ground laughing at, like, Hermia and Helena in the mud? Like, it was just gross. <laughs> like, in the theater when this movie came out, just be like, oh, my God, it's the best thing I've ever watched. Yeah. <laughs> like, laughing. Groundbreaking cinema. Because I don't cinema. really care about them. <laughs> <laughs> and what about Helena? What did you think about her and her, um, her, like, chasing after Demetrius you know in the the first part of the the movie what did you think of it compared to the the Helena we saw I liked her honestly I think that like you know genuinely I think that like everybody who we saw in the Bart on the Beach production was better than like everybody in this movie sorry um but <laughs> that's a big compliment to I'm them just, I think I hope they'll I'm listen just gonna, <laughs> I, it's just how I feel I'm just gonna say it um but I think that if I had to pick a favorite actor from this movie version, I honestly think that it was the woman who played Helena because she was the only one who I actually cared about. And I was, I don't know, I felt like she was committing to the bit more than the woman who played Hermia. Like Hermia was just sort of there um, as like a catalyst for the events of the rest of the movie. But Helena, I loved her. I thought she was great. Um, I I, I liked that, um, you know, they took a lot of time because sometimes I forget like that part of the deal with Demetrius and Helena is that Demetrius really has always loved Helena. It was just that he was like blinded by his duty to Hermia's father to, to, you know, try to pursue Hermia, but that he really was always into Helena. So it, it makes you feel less weird about the fact that Demetrius is technically enchanted for the rest of his life. Um, yeah, but you know, I, (laughs) yeah, but you know, (laughs) I appreciate that they, like, I feel like they gave a good amount of time to really cover, like, they didn't rush through any of the dialogue about, you know, Helena and Demetrius's past, which I think helped me care more about her. Um, and I just liked her. I liked that actress. I thought she was pretty good. Yeah, I thought she, I thought she was good, too, and I agree with, you know, preferring the Helena that we, we saw on the stage, but out of all those four or three people, I, like, 
her the best too and I thought the way she, way she delivered her lines was great and and when um she sees uh Demetrius and Hermia kissing at the beginning she just makes the most disgusted face of just like oh yeah <laughs> and I, I just I, I I love that a lot but yeah I've always been confused even when seeing the play so does Demetrius even love Hel- um, Helena, or is it all just, you know, well, so still under Puck's spell? The implication is that Demetrius and Helena were always in love, like, ever since they were, were young, young, younger, like, children, and that they've always been in love, and that Demetrius always doted on Helena, but as soon as Hermia's dad said, you know commanded Hermia to marry Demetrius that then Demetrius was blinded by duty um, and honor and was like oh well Aegeus wants me to marry Hermia and so you know I have to like her now and I have to dote on her and I have to be be loyal to her and the implication is that because of the the magic flower Demetrius was you know reawoken to his love for Helena and that he now by the end of the play he now realizes that the only reason he was pursuing Hermia was to appease her father but that he still loves Helena like he did when he was younger but he is still technically enchanted (laughs) and also it's kind of implied I don't know if it was in the movie but it was definitely implied in the play that um, Demetrius slept with Helena like they had sex oh, yeah. and 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 like and before you know they were wed and that you know when I think it's at the very beginning of the play when he's like oh well why Lysander's like oh you want her uh, Hermia to be with oh this is so confusing to be with <laughs> Demetrius it's like well they slept together so I think it's also kind of implied that he you know is a bit of a playboy as well. Mm love the line they talk about like Lysander and Hermia having exchanged love tokens and I'm like I don't know I think that's funny good job Shakespeare that's a pretty funny line <laughs> wait which ones which ones did that um, Lysander, Lysander and-, and Hermia it's when Aegeus first comes in and he's oh, like yeah. this man has exchanged love tokens with my Hermia and I'm like that's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> love tokens <laughs> um I also, I've been very curious as to why when um, Hermia tells Helena the plan of of Demetrius and Hermia running away together, why Helena thinks like, hmm, I should go after them with the guy of my dreams so he can chase the girl that he wants to be with. Like, it's like, maybe don't tell him the plan and then win him over. (laughs) Like, when she's already married. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the thing is like, you know, when Helena decides to do that, what she says is like, oh, I'll tell Demetrius Mm -hmm. of their plan and he'll be so grateful that, you know, he'll start to dote on me in the woods like when (laughs) we're looking for them. But it's like, bestie, if you just let Hermia leave, like you're going to have Demetrius all to yourself. (laughs) Exactly. And they'll get married and you don't have to tell them about the plan because you'll be with him. Yeah. Does not make sense. But I know, whatever. but I guess Shakespeare, Shakespeare's, we're critiquing Shakespeare here. He just needed to get everyone in the woods. Yeah. Into the woods they go. <laughs> so it's just, just like a way to get them all in there. But I, I've always been confused by that too. It's just like, why do you have to do anything? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but whatever. <laughs> I also, I have to say when, um, when Demetrius and, um, Oh my god, Lysander, when they begin to both fall for or lust after Helena, it was just so funny in the play and how Helena's just like, what is this trick you all play? Like this mean-spirited trick of... And I love that Helena, you know, doesn't, you know, cave to Demetrius's advances all of a sudden, that she actually kind of has some pride in herself and is like, oh, well, now you want to be with me. Like, I, I, I really like that a lot. Yes, me too. And it makes sense because, of course, she wouldn't believe that Demetrius had just immediately changed his mind. Yeah, it, it's good. But, it, oh, my gosh, so much fun, so much more funny. Like, that Demetrius in the play was so great. Like, the thrusting. He's and really the, good. It was so good. And the jumping <laughs> off of the stage. Uh, it was so good. Everyone go see it for people that live in Vancouver. <laughs> 
Um, hey, summer's not quite over. Well, I guess it, yeah, technically will be by the time you upload this. But I mean, it's the show's running until like end of mid or end of September. Yeah, so till the twenty fourth of September. So by there the time go. I edit this and put it out there, <laughs> I think there should, should still, still have be time. some time. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so worth it, and it's it's not that expensive either. Also, if you are under twenty two, you get a discount. So good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I do have some fun facts, unless there's something else you are dying to talk about with this. Oh, Oh, I feel like there's so much. Um, Okay. Um, Okay, first of all, it has always been my personal belief that at the end of the play, Helena and Hermia and Demetrius and Lysander become like a polyamorous couple of four (laughs) because they they all get married together. They all, like, especially, I mean, in the the Bart on the Beach version, you know, they all, like, literally cuddle each other yeah. and then, like, all wake up, all cuddled up next to each other. In the movie version, they're all naked. You're telling mm. me the implication isn't that all four of them had sex with each other? <laughs> I don't Big buy orgy. it. Big um, <laughs> And, 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 can we talk about the fact that when Hermia says goodbye to Helena, she's like, goodbye, dear playfellow, and then kisses her on the lips? Yeah. Like you four, you're all in love with each other, and you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> and especially, even I don't know if they. I guess I'm thinking about the play, but when they're all like, you know, fall asleep because Puck puts them under the spell, and Demetrius puts his hand over all of them, like his arm exactly. just like lays across all of them. <laughs> exactly, and I mean the play spoilers. The Bride of the Beach version is already gay. Lysander's a woman, so like polyamorous forpal. I ship it anyway. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like it's true, even in this movie version. Um, and that the fact that they all wake up naked is yeah. only further solidifies my theory. Um, I'm just like rapid fire. I feel like we've been talking for a long time, so I'm just like rapid fire. No, no, going you don't have to. My most important <laughs> thoughts. Um, so there's that. Also, um, the play and the play, like at the end with the players, I am so glad that they did some like. I feel like it's hard to make that part interesting. Like, the woman who plays Nick Bottom in Bart on the Beach absolutely did because she's hilarious and incredible. And she improvises but a I lot of like it, But I feel like when you're... Re- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I feel like when you get to... Like, when you're reading the play, you get to that part, and it just sort of feels like... It's just so boring because you're like, I just want the play to end. Like, mm-hmm. I know this is supposed to be funny, but, like, we just watched the whole show, and now we have to sit through, like, 10 to 15 minutes of, like, extra play filler. Like... If you don't, if you're just reading the play, it sucks. It's so boring. Um, so, you know, I appreciated that, like, the woman who plays Nick Bottom in Bird on the Beach made it enjoyable by being really funny. Um, and I appreciated in this movie that they had the twist of everybody hating the play and thinking it was really bad until um, the guy who plays Thisbe like stopped doing the goofy voice and genuinely acted and you realize that he's like actually the best actor out of the troupe yeah that was great that was a great twist i loved that i thought that was really well done although i'm still mad that they spent all the time in the movie to include a scene of nick bottom and titania having sex and they cut out my favorite part of the play which i honestly i don't even remember if they um went into it fully in the Bart on the Beach version, but my favorite part of the play is there's a bit where they, like, the the characters of, like, Ob- or not Oberon, um, oh, God, I never remember their names, but, like, the mm-hmm. Duke, like, the human king, yeah. and the, the woman, um, Hippolyta, and, like, you know, Termia and Helena and their men, like, they're watching the play. Um, and in Shakespeare's play, there's a part where... Hippolyta is like this sucks this play is so bad why are we watching it um and the the duke says oh well you have to see it through the eyes of the actors maybe to us it looks like a, a really bad play done by a bunch of amateurs but if you look at it through their eyes this is the best performance of their lives oh. and they've put all this work into it and then you can enjoy it for what it really is which is a play that uh a group of hardworking men have like put a lot of effort into and it's this like Shakespeare if there's one thing I've learned about Shakespeare he loves to talk about plays in his plays and like I don't know it's such a beautiful little I like it I think it's a really beautiful little line of his and I'm mad that it gets cut so often I don't think Um, it was in the because it was certainly cut in this movie I don't think it was either and I mean obviously I'm paraphrasing um 
but I, I, I don't know. I like it. Um, also, biggest thing that pissed me off about this movie was the ending. Because, ooh, all of them see the fairies at the end. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how much that pisses me off because the whole point of the play is that you don't know whether any of this stuff really happened or not. Exactly. Whether it really was a dream or like it's called a Midsummer Night's Dream for a reason. Like there's supposed to be ambiguity about whether the fairies are actually real or whether any of this happened or whether the fairies are pulling the strings and it was all a dream. Yes. And then at the end of the movie they're like, haha, they all see the fairies. Like screw you. That I <laughs> that sucks. I hated thing. it. That sucked. It's like when they have to Americanize stuff and just like dumb yes. it down. And it's like, it's like the, like, you know, like the idea around like the Nutcracker and how Clara never knows if it really happened at all. And, and I love yeah. when movies do that, but now it's like they have to over explain everything. Yes. It's like, you don't need exactly. to dumb it down. Yeah. It made me so mad. That was, that made me, that was like my least favorite part of the movie by far was the way it ended because I was like. There's, su- there's supposed to be ambiguity. You're not supposed to know. And I know that even um, Hannah was talking about this um, after we saw... Because I, I saw the Burn on the Beach version twice. I saw it once with you and once with Hannah. Me um, too. <laughs> yeah, because it's so good. <laughs> um, but I I know that after like Hannah and I saw it, she was saying that, um, you know, it doesn't... Like, Burn on the Beach didn't do this. And I don't know if any of the movie versions have done this. I mean, obviously, the movie version we watched didn't. Um, and I don't think the 2017 version does it either. But in a lot of original stagings of A Midsummer Night's Dream, they have the same actor play Oberon and the Duke and the same actress play Hippolyta oh. and Titania so that it further blurs the lines of like, oh, wait, maybe this is all just a fantasy that like Helena and Hermia and Demetrius and Lysander are working through. Like maybe the fairy king and queen aren't real. Maybe it is just, you know, make believe yeah. because they're they're the same actors and yeah i don't know i i totally agree with you i hate when they dumb stuff down and take out the ambiguity because movies feel like there has to be a definitive ending like no there doesn't that sucks no but i think yeah and i think it's interesting that they do that i'm trying to think of like another movie i've recently seen where yeah they put the like you know one of those kids movies where they put like the well, I guess, like, a perfect example would be The Wizard of Oz when, like, the the witch in The Wizard of Oz is actually the nasty neighbor that takes Toto. Like, I, I like when they... Yes, Or, like, yeah. you know, like, the three workers on the farm or the scarecrow tin man. Yeah, yeah, line. yeah, yeah. I like when, when they do that because it, it makes it more like, oh, it was, was a dream, but um, they represent, you know, what they kind of are as well. Like, like obviously, the fairy and or Titania, and they're, like, you know, high in rank and the king and queen are in the Athens world. So I kind of, I like that they do that. And I feel like they could have done it in a play and like save like cast members, <laughs> extra like cast members yeah. too. But but yeah, and, and to talk about like the play within a play, I think that also the reason why, and I don't know why Shakespeare does it, but it's also a pain because it's right at the, almost at the end of the actual play. Like if he would have had it, you know, more in the middle or something like that, but he puts it right like so close to yeah. the to the end. Like if more stuff happened mm-hmm. afterward, maybe it would have felt necessary. Yeah. I also <laughs> like though that in this movie they act they showed um a scene, you know, prior to them performing saying like, you know, they picked you, the queen or whatever, the duchess and the king picked your play and they're kind of like nervous i I did like that they added that extra scene because they didn't show that in in the bard version so i I thought that that was good that they showed that yeah i liked that version too i thought that was good um and what was the last thing i was gonna say oh yeah um i guess sort of like a i okay it's funny because before the um before I saw Bart on the Beach, like I know Midsummer Night's Dream pretty well, but the last time I'd interacted with a Midsummer Night's Dream was uh, to watch the horrible, awful 2017 movie, um, like a year and a half ago for class. I think that was yeah, that was like a year and a half, like just about two years ago, um, which I obviously blocked out like immediately. Um, and before that, it had been a while since I'd read through a Midsummer Night's Dream all the way through. Um, and so I forgot that Bard made so many improvements. 
um, upon the text and, you know, sort of uh, brought it up to the times a little mm. bit. Like, first of all, I mean, in the Bard play, Hippolyta gets way more agency and way more yeah. to do. And I don't know if you noticed, but like, the most interesting thing to me is that in the Bard version, Hippolyta and the Duke don't get married at the don't end. Don't get married at the like, end. They're like, oh, well, just, yeah. And which is like so much better. And she, I love when she, he brings, like, puts out his hand to kind of be like, take my hand, love. And then instead of taking his hand, she puts out her hand for him to come to her. I think that's that's really so great. Good. It's so good. And I totally forgot that that wasn't in the original source material, that that was added. And so that was disappointing to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Shakespeare made Hippolyta suck and do nothing. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I forgot exactly about exactly like is, the other women. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's that. But the other thing I forgot about is the the whole exoticism thing with like the the quote unquote changeling boy which starts this whole mess of Titania and Oberon and now it's like oh he's from India and how the fairies are kind of just like a thinly veiled excuse to be like ooh yeah exoticism forgot about that I know Glad Bard doesn't do that <laughs> Bard doesn't and I also enjoy the fact that Bard um you know put women in the roles of like men and 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 like like bottom is a woman and lysander was was played by a woman and i really enjoyed that because in the time when shakespeare was around men would play the women parts so yeah i just i just can't believe it's been like this long for it for it to happen or i don't know if they've done it but it probably hasn't been that long that they've been doing that on bard on the beach so i i really enjoy that because all of shakespeare's plays like the genders are really ambiguous ambiguous and and they can be played by anybody and i i just i think that's so great with shakespeare plays yeah no i couldn't agree more and especially with the fairies it's like you think puck has one gender he's a mischief maker look at that little guy yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) he knows what's up (laughs) he's very modern (laughs) um well i have a few like facts nothing nothing too big um, no offense, but this movie did not get any Oscar nominations, which I don't know Damn. if you were, like, really thinking it would. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> um, the cinematography was really pretty. I, I'll give it that, though. That's true. Uh, and the costumes. But, um, yeah, I, I, the actors didn't really do it for me. Um, but the budget was $11 million and it made $16.1. Um, so I guess that's, that's, that's not bad. It made more than it <laughs> broke even, at least. So, yeah (laughs) so the filming took five weeks but it was always done at night um which was very difficult and then some of the lush greenery that they put in became poisonous um and released all this awful gas into the atmosphere during filming so there was some some challenges oh god going on there (laughs) does not sound like a safe working environment no um, they also chose Felix Mendelssohn's 1843 um, wedding march for the main score. I don't know if you noticed that, um, that they, they played that throughout the movie, the wedding march, which I thought was an interesting um, music choice to have because it's so well known. Yeah. It's very hard to put that into a movie, I feel. Um, I don't know how you felt about having the wedding march. That in was there. interesting. I, just, I don't really associate it. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Um, they had to film the mud fight scene twice oh. um, to Callista Flockhart's and Anna Frell's disappointment, and because it took hours to clean them off and then do it again, and just oh. <laughs> they should have just gotten stunts for that. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yes, they do say that. For this production, they added Bottom, Nick Bottom having a wife, um, which I mentioned. I, I don't know why they did it, but they said basically to show that he was unhappy in his life and to make his character more sympathetic. I, I don't get it. Sure. <laughs> Just makes me feel like he's a scoundrel for cheating on his wife. Yeah, but... okay. So <laughs> true. Like. <laughs> and Callista Flockhart, who played. Um, Helena was initially not interested in appearing in this movie. She said, quote, it was sounded in spid ridiculous and a, like a frivolous comedy, but then changed her mind. Um, but they had to work around 
filming for her due to her show Allie McBeal. I don't know what that is. From 1997. And the last either. fact is Kevin Klein originally wanted to play Oberon. <laughs> I cannot imagine huh. Kevin Klein as Oberon. He's too silly. <laughs> Interesting. So I guess that's why they gave it to Rupert Everett. But yeah, that those are my fun facts. Nothing... Nothing too exciting there, <laughs> as in past episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, it's still interesting. No, no big drama on set or any, anything like that. No big affairs that we know of. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> okay, should I move on to the final judgment now? Let's do it. Okay. So did A Midsummer Night's Dream move you or not? I mean, honestly, No. Like, I enjoyed watching it. I didn't, I wasn't, like, super bored, really. I was, like, a little bored, but it wasn't bad. Um, Certainly not the worst Midsummer Night's Dream adaptation I've ever seen. Um, But, I mean, it was, you know, it was, like, a movie that I've seen, and I'm sure that in a month I will forget about it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I agree. Um... It did not move me, and I will forget about it probably earlier than a month, probably in about a week. Yeah. <laughs> I, not to say that I hated it, because I didn't, I just, I didn't feel any connection with the characters, whereas in the stage version, I just loved everybody, and, and I thought everyone was so, so fabulous, and I, I just, I've never laughed so much during a yeah. play, ever, before, and in this movie, I was not laughing at all. Yeah, um, true. Like never, <laughs> definitely not in the mud scene. But it just, I just wasn't laughing, and I just think the cast was a bit strange. The choices that they made there, and the whole emphasis on the bike, <laughs> bikes was kind of distracting yeah, for I me. Agree. Took away from it a bit, and I just didn't think the four main characters had great chemistry with each other. Um, it just, everyone just seemed very uptight. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the, the play we watched, it was the opposite. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Um, and I'm glad it was the first movie adapt adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream that I watched, but I probably will not be, not be rewatching it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you, Christina, for coming back on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was very fun. It was, and I'm glad we got to do it after seeing the play as well, because I would not have watched it if it wasn't for the play. Yeah. (laughs) And I want to thank you all for listening, and if you have any film suggestions that you think we should do over the next few months, you can email me at emmareviewsmovies at gmail.com. And we also have an Instagram page um, at whichmovingpicturesmoveus, where we just post some updates of recent episodes, so you can check that out too. Thank you for listening.